0: Welcome back to, but where are you from? And in this podcast, we talk about life as a British-born Chinese person. I'm Viv, the host of the podcast, and I am nearly 30 years old next year. I need to stop calling myself a 20-something-year-old woman because that is not the case for much longer. Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all sorts from... um, relationships, food, racism, general life, uh, business stuff sometimes, whatever, whatever I feel like essentially. There's no hard and fast theme here. It changes because I'm just like that. We're fluid, you know, we go with the flow. So I bought a new microphone. I don't know whether anyone can hear the sound difference. I'm not convinced yet that it's better than my Apple headphones, I have to say, because I fiddled around with it for about an hour before... I've sat down to properly record and the workaround that I've had is that I've clipped the microphone onto my phone. I'm holding my phone at boob level and that's as close as like I can as I can get to replicating a clear, crisp sound. So if this makes no difference whatsoever, then that's fifty pounds that I'm never gonna get back. I tried to do the whole um hiding under the covers thing. Well, I actually had my Zara aviator coat over me, but I can't do it my neck hurts from craning and having to stay in one position which is just its impossible have you met me i've barely stay in one position for more than two seconds unless it's like a very lazy day i mean that's a lie i, I do do that quite a lot but it's not easy when you're thinking and talking at the same time so We've got a new mic thing that I'm testing out. I've heard that this is a condenser mic. It's the Samson Go mic, and my brother-in-law recommended it to me. So it better be worth 50 quid, Leo. Otherwise, I'm coming for you. So in today's episode, we're gonna talk about how I started my own business, actually, and I wanted this to not be a success story. I very much want this to be a An episode about failure and why failure is a good thing. If you've listened to Elizabeth Day's podcast about how to fail, I think you'll understand exactly where I'm coming from and the fact that everything that we've done that has been a mistake, fucked us over, it's felt like a massive lesson, it's felt like a massive issue at the time or a challenge, it's actually something... That serves you well for the future so we're going to talk about that a little bit and if you haven't listened to my school um podcast episode then I suggest you go and listen to that if you want to learn a bit more about my academia life and how I failed during uni and everything like that I didn't actually fail uni but I failed to get into the uni that I wanted to and how that's actually set me on a course to where I am so for those who don't know what I do, I actually own a marketing agency based in Manchester in the UK, and we're called B Influence, that's B double E. And I named the company after the Manchester's icon, which is the B, the worker bee symbol, which kind of means nothing to no one apart from anyone who's from Manchester. And we work with clients all over the globe. So we work with the likes of VistaPrint, TikTok, Aaron Sense of Scotland. We've worked with LG directly from Korea before and we essentially we market a product or service and we do that by using influencers so we help them achieve their goals by working with influencers to talk about their product or service so that's essentially what we do in a nutshell so when you think of the term influencers what is the first thing you think of is it people posing on Instagram and being really shallow because that's usually the first impression that everyone gets when it comes to influencers. And I actually was speaking to someone on Hinge the other day and his first question was, oh, um, you must meet a lot of shallow people then. And I actually reply back with, no, I actually have met a lot of talented people uh, working in this industry. So videographers, photographers, um, visionaries, people who are storytellers and that's essentially what they do they create content what in whatever form that might be so it might be Instagram content it might be video content, podcasting these are all people who have some influence over the sector that they're in so it goes much further than just people posing in front of cars and there obviously is a subset to that but that's essentially not what we do Um, and I'm certainly not an influencer myself, however, I would argue that everyone has some form of influence. So if you've ever persuaded your mate to watch that new series that you're watching on Netflix, you are essentially influencing them. You might just not be making a career out of it just yet. Um, So that's essentially what we do and what an influencer is. I'm going to talk to you about my career, but before we do that, we're going to do the fun segment that I've added in. It's called... Asian are you? Oh God, that's, so asian. that's so asian okay so funny story about that jingle uh, my ex-boyfriend created it john shout out to john clapper he's amazing and the girl who featured on the end that uh, says that's so asian that's actually his new girlfriend look how progressive and um integrating we are as a community so she's helped him put that together i think and he, he obviously came up with the whole jingle I'm surprised he didn't ask me though like my voice is amazing they're so asian she's asian herself so she could get away with saying that so there we go <laughs> bit of a backstory for you so i've actually got a few new questions how many questions have we got let's count these up One, two, three, four, five. Five questions so if you've not heard this before this is a silly new segment that i wanted to do and it's called how asian are you and then i'll ask you some quick questions and you have to answer them to see how asian you are so please if you answer them please send me your score because i think it'll be really funny to see so And then you get, sorry, so you get one point for every question that you can answer yes to. And then you obviously don't get a point if you can't answer yes to. First question. Do you know what yeet hay is? So I'm going to ask this to myself. And to be honest, all I know is that it translates into hot air. And all I know is that my mum and my aunties have told me, not to eat certain things because it's yeet hay, but it gets really confusing because apparently if you're pregnant and you eat watermelon when you're pregnant, that's also yeet hay and not good for you. But then also fried stuff is yeet hay. Um, but then certain random things are as well. So like cold drinks, even though it's cold, like I don't really understand it. I, I think it's something to do with the fire symbol, the, the um the elements symbols. I actually don't know. So do I know what that is? I'd say a half point for me because I kind of understand it to a certain level, but I couldn't tell you what foods are. I know that all fried food is probably yeet hay um, and that's about it. Second question. Did your parents used to roll a boiled egg on your bruises? <laughs> now, this is going to sound so weird for anyone who hasn't had that experience and they're like, what? What? You used to Your parents used to roll a boiled egg? And your bruises yep so i was i'm on this facebook group called british born chinese and someone asked this the other day like how did your parents remedy you when you had a bruise and so many people wrote that the parents used to boil an egg and then they put it in like a, um, a handkerchief or something or a cloth and then they rub it over the bruise and then the the boiled egg is meant to draw out the bruise and then you'd cut the egg open afterwards and you see that it's turned black on the inside and that's the bruise apparently and so I remember my family my mum my doing this for us when we were younger and I used to think like but how does it work like how does it actually work and I think it's an old wives tale I don't think it's an actual like proven remedy <laughs> um so mum used to do that to us and then I used to say to her mum can we not eat the egg and she was like no it's dirty but it's like but how can it be? All it's only just been in a cloth. Like it's such a waste of an egg, don't you think? And like nowadays, eggs during coronavirus, they're they're hot commodity at the moment, so I'm not gonna be wasting my boiled eggs on any bruises anytime soon. So I'd get I'd get one point for that. And then third question. Were you forced to go to Chinese school? I can answer yes to this, and we hated Chinese school. I think I've talked about this before, but we were bullied, I was crap at it, never did any of the tests, never memorized any of the, the letters. So we had a test every single week, and we had to basically memorize the characters and then do that test every week. Can you imagine having to revise on a Saturday for a test, a memory test, essentially? Uh, The only one that I was ever good at was this one about planes. And that's all I remember about it. But for some reason, I really enjoyed that particular test. So I tried really hard on that and did pretty well. But apart from that, no, never passed it either. Uh, Never got my GCSE or whatever qualification you get at the end of a Chinese school. So yeah, I can answer one point to my own question. Fifth, sixth, no, Fourth question, have you had relatives say to you that you've put on weight? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, is this more of a general thing? Like, do British people do it as well? Um Yeah, 100%. I mean, my mum's told me so many times that I've put on weight. My, uh, her friends have told me that I've put on weight. I remember her, her friend saying to me, wow, lift is a good dog like whoa you've got a lot fatter and do you know what i've hated that woman ever since (laughs) sorry mom's friends but you can't just say that to someone and then not expect any repercussions like that's nasty sixth question and the final question did you used to eat the eyeballs in steamed fish so the eyeball is regarded as a bit of a delicacy when it comes to eating fish and traditionally in Chinese food we keep the the whole head on the fish so the whole thing so rather than like you know in supermarkets in Tesco you get like just the fillet the cod fillet for example whereas in Chinese we um in Chinese food we we steam the entire fish and the eyeball is like a delicacy i'd say no to this i didn't really like eating the eyeball i felt it was too slimy my cousin loved it though and apparently it's meant to be really good for you because it's full of collagen um but i remember like she used to eat around the eyeball and then inside was like a perfectly round white ball inside the eyeball i think it. i don't know what it was the pupil perhaps i'm not really sure I, I'm not a um, fish person. What do you call it? A marine biologist? <laughs> Fisherman. <laughs> um, Yeah, so if you can answer yes to that, then well done. So I'm just going to tot up my points. And I have got three and a half points out of five. So that means I'm over halfway there. So please let me know what your points were. So I hope you enjoy that segment. I don't know whether it's a bit random, but I feel like we've got to stick with it, seeing as John created the jingle. And I quite like this because it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? It breaks up the podcast a bit more, makes it a bit more interesting for me. And it's just something new, you know? So we're gonna keep it in. But we're gonna go straight into talking about my, my, how I started my own business and I very much want you to take this as a story about failure, not about success. I don't want this to be a success story because I don't feel like I'm successful yet. Of course, we take success from what we do, but I think to regard myself as successful would be unrealistic. So please don't see this as like me bragging about work or what I've achieved because it's certainly not. um, We're very much in our infancy when it comes to our business and we've got a long way to go. And I'm very proud of what we've achieved, but it's very much come down to factors that I'll go into and the fact that I was at the right place at the right time and mixed in with a bit of hard work, a bit of marketing knowledge, a bit of influencer knowledge but a lot of it has been making it up as I go along. I have to say that's being completely honest. By the way I'm underneath my Zara jacket again because I, I think it's worth it for the audio so I'll take a photo of this and I'll put it on my Instagram so you guys can see uh, what we're working with. Okay, so when I graduated from uni, when I got a first-class honours in consumer marketing from Manchester Metropolitan University, I had absolutely zero work experience. Like, I'm talking zilch. No real-world office work experience. The most that I had was uh, working at Tony and Guy's hairdressers and my dad's takeaway, my cousin's restaurant a sushi restaurant in Manchester called, what's it called, Umami. And it's actually a Pan-Asian restaurant, it's really tasty. And what was the other place? A fish and chip shop, which was also my cousin's. And that was the only experience that I had that I could put on my CV. So I really bigged up customer service when I was um, looking for a job. And when I first graduated from uni, My cousin was a childminder for a woman who owned a design agency based in Manchester and she managed to get me in for an interview for an internship. So I remember going and preparing for this interview and I thought that the best thing to wear, bearing in mind I'd never ever been to a job interview before apart from like turning up at my cousin's Actually, no. Yeah, zero job interview experience whatsoever. And my sisters didn't really know what to do. My older sister was still. She just started working, but even then, she was working in psychology, so it's a completely different field. So I remember turning up straight out of uni, and I wore my sister's grey pantsuits. So it was like this, like fitted grey blazer and this grey pantsuit like it was but it was like an ugly pantsuit you know you see some really cool ones now that you can buy from like top shop this was like a really ugly version of that like can you imagine like you know the stock image of someone who has just gotten a job so i was wearing a white shirt grey blazer and like unfitted grey pants and i turned up to this job and she was really nice she interviewed me I got the internship, and I think it was originally for two weeks, which was then extended for three weeks. I remember her, she used to live in Warrington too, so I remember her picking me up from uh, my house, and we used to drive into Manchester in her car together. And then I remember her saying to me that she was really surprised at what I was wearing on my first day, because on my first day, I just wore, like, what I'd normally wear, like a nice white shirt, but it was like a cool white shirt this time. I had like, um like spikes on the collar and stuff. And then I wore like nice leather pants and just like nice office wear. And then I remember her feeling really surprised. And she told me later on when we got to know each other a bit more that when I first turned up to her interview, that she thought I wouldn't fit in because of the way that I was dressed. And it was all my own fault because I was dressed like an absolute dowdy twat. Um, but yeah, so that was my first job working at a design agency. And I learned so much. I was there for about 18 months and that really taught me my appreciation of design and the fact that it underpins everything we do in marketing so I learned a lot from working there I then moved on to working at an agency an advertising agency called TBWA Manchester and they're regarded as one of the best advertising agencies in the world I would say Uh, they have a global reputation TBWA so TBWA Manchester they had amazing clients at the time they had um like Imperial Leather, they had Alton Towers, uh, they had just some really cool brands, so I applied for the job and it was a really gruelling interview, it was like a full day thing, so I had to, I think I pulled a sickie or took a day off work, I can't quite remember, but basically it was, we had to do a presentation in front of all the directors and also the people that you were interviewing with. So there were six applicants in total and everyone had to present in front of each other. And they asked us to present uh, a brand that you admire and why. So I did mine on, oh, it was an advertising campaign that you admired and and why. And I did mine on the Aldi's, I like this, but I like this campaign. I don't know what it's actually called. Um, And actually it's won loads of awards. So I actually picked one of the right ads even though it was done by one of their competitors. So yeah, we had to do a full presentation and then we had to do a like numerical reasoning test, an English test. Uh, We had to do like a speed dating thing with all directors, which was just, actually that wasn't too bad. The presentation was terrible. I think I went on last as well. And so the whole time watching everyone else's presentation, I was getting more and more nervous. And I remember this guy um, in the interview, he's one of the applicants, the, my competition essentially, he's called Brad, I still remember his name. And he was like proper big enough, the fact that he knew loads of people in the agency world. Um, he went into the office a couple of days before just to say hi to people in the agency. And I was just like, oh shit, I've not done any of that. Um, but they eventually whittled it down to myself and another person out of the six people. And from working there now, I realised that it's not about what you know or who you know. They very much employ people that are down to earth, really easy to get along with, especially at graduate level where you have to liaise with everyone within the business, from like art workers to designers to um the senior members of the team to the accounts team you really have to be a person that just gets on with people so that's what they were looking for the entire time not the fact that you could brag about how many people you know in the industry so ha brad suck it to you sometimes it's not about who you know is it it's about being a nice fucking person um and so came down to myself and another girl And we had to do another maths test. And if you haven't listened to my previous podcast, you know that I'm terrible at maths. And apparently I got the job based on the fact that the other girl had a panic attack and couldn't finish the exam. (laughs) So I, I got it because I was the best out of a bad bunch, essentially. And you know what? I'll take that. I'm happy with that. Got the job. So, you know, it makes no difference, really. So that is a classic case of luck right there obviously i think getting across my personality was a big part of the job but had that girl not had a panic attack she might have done really well in the maths quiz and then i might not have got gotten that job i i wish her well i hope she's okay but i'm actually kind of glad that she <laughs> she had a panic attack <laughs> is that really bad to say hmm i don't mean that really i'm sure she's fine now So my job essentially was an account executive and we would liaise with the clients and everyone internally. So from the designers, to the art workers, to the creative people, and we'd come up with amazing TV campaigns. So I worked on, I think it was two or three uh, campaigns for a toy brand. Uh, We worked on a campaign with Alton Towers. Uh, Who else did I work on a campaign with? Quite a few. Uh, oh, Remington was a good brand. Russell Hobbs. We had some amazing clients. Um, But there's one story that I feel like I have to tell because it's one of my most embarrassing, but also just... It just sums me up, I think, as a person. So we were going through a big TV campaign sign off. So we shot the campaign, edited it, it was sent to the client, but they had some issues with the sound of the the campaign, like they couldn't quite hear the levels of the the TV campaign. So it was quite a fraught time because the client at the time didn't actually like the advert, what they paid for. So that was a bit of an issue in itself. And so um, it was a very, very tense time for the agency and the client i just remember um going on my lunch break and i was talking to my colleague at the time and she was dating this new guy and she was saying that she wasn't happy with their sex life it was just a bit meh and she wanted to kind of spice things up a bit And I went back to my desk later on that day. And I remember um, sending her a link that I just Googled. And it was like, how to dominate your boyfriend in bed or something, sent it across to her in Google chat. I'd never read the article. And later on that day, I was um, emailing a client, emailing the particular client that we were having an issue with. And I remember writing a very long email, drafted out the whole thing and Hyperlinked to a YouTube article explaining uh, the levels of volume aren't to do with the actual video, it's to do with how you set things up and your end on YouTube. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a really good response back, or so I thought. And then I sent the email, carried on with my day, and then later on that day, I decided to check my sent messages. And I checked my sent messages. I looked at that client email that I sent and I clicked on the link that I hyperlinked to the YouTube article. And it took me to the link that said how to dominate your boyfriend in bed. And that went to the client. It went to the fucking client. Let's all just let that sink in for a second. I sent an article about dominating your boyfriend in bed to a client who at the time were already going through a very fraught situation, and then I did that. And that was probably about four years ago, maybe even longer. And my ex colleagues still bring up that story because they think it's hilarious. Luckily, the client saw the funny side of it. They uh, emailed me back and said that it was the most they've laughed in the office in so long. I was like, cool. And I obviously couldn't tell them the real story because they knew my colleague. And so I just had to say it was just a prank that someone pulled in the office. But they all definitely think at this toy store now that I want to dominate my then boyfriend in bed. You know, it's fine. I'll take the rap for it. But that's not the case. I wasn't doing that during working hours. Um, So that's my story that I departed from the agency with. uh, And everyone just knows me as the girl who sent that email to the client. Right. So we haven't even got to how I actually started my business, which is the whole point of this podcast, Vivian. Keep to the topic. So then I left TBWA. The agency that I worked at moved to an agency called Gleam, which is a social uh, digital talent agency where we managed influencers, which was an amazing job. It was my dream job at the time. Um, I moved down to London specifically to work there. Got to travel to Cuba. I was on a, a cruise ship in Jamaica uh, filming with um, TUI cruises and the influencers that I, we used to manage. I got to go to Berlin, worked with Disney, Nike, Cadbury's. It was a great job and I think that probably deserves its own podcast in itself because it was so insightful. I got to work with really, really top influencers and find out how to work with influencers first of all. And it was brilliant. However, that was the time when my dad passed away and it was probably two months into the job that I found out my dad only had two months to live And then I was traveling back and forth for ages. And then eventually he passed away in October 2016. Yeah. And that was a really tough time. I think I'll save that for another episode because it's really deep. But then in terms of kind of trying to find my way in London, I just couldn't feel settled. I just felt like the North was always calling calling me back. And so I came back up North to... Um, without a job. So I had a month off, which is the best thing ever. Would highly recommend anyone who hasn't had a month off work, if you are able to. Obviously, COVID-19 situation, a lot of people are off work. So that sounds really insensitive. I'm so sorry. I don't mean it in that way. But I mean, in the future, when everything goes back to normal, if you're able to take a month off work, or, you know, a gap year, whatever you call it, try it, do it. It was so great. And I was offered back a job working at a media agency. I got offered quite a few jobs, actually. I was quite lucky in the sense that I landed on my feet pretty quickly, but I was kind of pissing around because I wanted to find the right one. And my mum was like tearing her hair up, being like, please just find a job. But I was like, no mother, my gut is telling me otherwise. And you know my motto, always trust your gut. It's not my motto, but it should be. And then I met a man through networking who changed my life, completely changed my life. He offered investment for me to start my own agency. I told him about my experience. I told him the fact that I'd worked with influencers. And then he said, do you want to start your own agency? And at the time I was like, this is too good to be true. You're offering investment into a business, into me, essentially. You have no... You have no, like... um, loyalty towards me. You don't know my background. Uh, You don't know whether what I'm saying is true. To this day, my investor has never seen my CV. He's just gone off my word. I think he must just be really good at reading people. And honestly, this man has changed my life. He is the most down to earth, lovely, very, very wise businessman. And he's obviously very good at business as well. Um, So we started the business july 2018 there was a period for, for six months when i was working in-house for my investor he owns a fashion company and we had months at that stage of not making any money nearly a whole year i had my branding done by um a really talented designer he's the head of design at a top agency the one that i used to work at and he did me really good mates rates which i was so happy about Um, But we had a whole year of, we had this website which I built myself, which was shockingly bad. It's so terrible. I should have just invested in a website at the time and we didn't make any money. Um, And in all honesty, one of our first biggest clients, they came through an inbound lead and I pitched to them on my mum's dining room table and we won a four-way pitch which really propelled us into business essentially we were making really little revenue we were working with like really small brands initially um and clients that were just paying we just weren't charging enough essentially and so we had to change our business model slightly we have made up as we've gone along in terms of figuring out and learning from our mistakes and failing and being like oh we should have done it this way we should have done it that way Everything that I've done so far has been just through trying and doing it, failing, trying again, failing and trying again. The first big client that we landed, that was, I looked back on our job folders, that was our 50th pitch. Yep, I had pitched to different clients 50 times before we won that one. And so I think people think that being an entrepreneur, being, you know, like working for yourself, it sounds really exciting when really, It's a lot of rejection, it's a lot of loneliness. You have to really grow a thick skin when it comes to people saying no to you all the time and learning to just pick yourself back up and go out again the next day. And I'm not saying it's easy, like I've had days where I felt so demotivated, especially at the moment, of just feeling completely like, oh, what is the point? And then we'll get one lead and then we'll win a client and then I'll be buzzing again. So tonight we actually just won two big clients, which I'm absolutely buzzing about. It might be something to do with the fact that I had a chocolate chip cookie at nine o'clock. But also the fact that we won some amazing new business. It reminds me why we're doing this in the first place. So with um, how our business is set up is we have an amazing support system behind us through our investor. We have our own accountants, we have a lawyer, we have HR, payroll, everything we need to be a fully functioning business. So in terms of how we operate client-facing wise, all we do is focus on winning business and servicing clients. So I'm really grateful, really, really grateful. I've got a great team as well. We've got people on board now who are client-facing. It's been a mixture of right place, right time, pitching great, simple ideas that clients want and works for. We understand the market, essentially. We understand what we're talking about. We're in the space where influencer marketing, it's for the millennials, essentially. And so we understand it. It's not like we're trying to learn it. I'm trying to learn stuff like TikTok, because that's way younger than my demographic. Having said that, we did win TikTok as a client in December, so... There we go. Learned some new TikTok dances along the way. But essentially, I think from what I've learned so far, it's been nearly two years since we started the business. So many lessons, so many lessons. Don't give up. Don't. If you really believe in something and you think it's a good idea, we started the business because I wanted it to be Manchester's first influencer marketing agency. And I wanted us to have a human first bespoke approach. We saw so many... Um, platforms and like tech that come out but that come out god I sound so northern we saw so much tech that came out during that time but I really wanted to take my advertising knowledge take the fact that we worked with influencers firsthand and bring that together in an agency and very much connect with the fact that this is a human first sector and it should remain in that way we can obviously use technology to help but you can't replace human relationships and human connection So that was our philosophy, which we stuck with and it paid off because our biggest client really loved that philosophy. Second thing that I've learned is I am not a salesperson. I have no background in business development, sales or anything like that. However, I've used this to my strength. So I spoke to my friend Louise about this recently and she was saying, because you aren't a business person, I'm sorry, because you aren't a salesperson, I am a business person, I'd like to think, but because you aren't a salesperson, clients aren't going to think that you're selling to them and that completely rang true with me because that's how I feel half the time, half the time I feel this imposter syndrome which I think should be another topic, tell me what you think but in terms of me feeling like oh I can't sell this to this person because I don't have a background in sales but it's because I don't have a background in sales people feel like it's a genuine proposal which it is which is how it should be um secondly or thirdly sorry enjoy the process enjoy the lows they're shit sometimes honestly there's times when I just want to give up and there's times when we haven't had enough money to pay supplies off um COVID-19 has been shit overall for business hence me starting the podcast but without the lows you wouldn't get the highs the feeling of being able to win new business and when something good happens to the business is the reason why you want to carry on doing it so try to enjoy the full process and have fun we work in a creative industry well I do certainly and you need to take joy out of that and not just see it as a long hard slog like we're going to be working for a long time so we have to enjoy it I think the main thing that I want to take away from this is that it's not a sexy lifestyle there's a lot of loneliness. Tonight, I worked till half nine tonight, which has actually been quite rare recently, but it was something that I was doing a lot of the time when we first started the business when it was just myself for a few months. But from that, I've learned to reach out to my wider network. I've learned to speak to people who are in business, who've been doing it for way longer, who have made so much more success out of what they've done than we have. And I've learned from them and that's all you can do. That's all you can do is learn, essentially. I don't know half of what I'm doing half the time. All you can do is just figure it out as you go along and do it with integrity. I've got my hand in a fist right now as if I'm like motivating an audience when it's just me in my bedroom and my bed knickers again. But I think doing it with integrity says a lot. I want to establish us as a really reputable agency and we could only do that if we are integral and honest and genuine with every single person that we work with so that's something that we strive to do at be influence anyway yeah so um i wasn't going to finish this podcast i put something on instagram saying that there won't be a podcast today because um I, i'm working late but I had a spout of energy And we've managed to finish it. I feel like I've not really gone into how I started my own business. It's more so about my career in general. But I think this probably could be broken down into a few different podcast episodes. If you have any questions, please reach out. I might be with the div. I'm going to end it here now because I do want an evening to myself. I think I've got enough time to read or do something. Um, So yeah, please let me know what you've been up to any dating escapades recently what have you been eating can you relate to anything that i've said at all i don't even think this is anything to do with being chinese i think this is me just talking about my career have i mentioned anything about being chinese at all probably not there we go typical viv going off topic um anyway i hope you enjoyed the episode anyway and uh, chat to you later bye